0: Hi, I'm Matt. I'm Rachel. And welcome to The Tim's Take, episode... 20! Yeah, episode 20. I wasn't sure if you knew that or not.
1: I did. We're still doing it. Wow.
0: 20 episodes in. Pretty good. Here we are. Does it feel like 20 episodes? Let me put it differently. We have sat down and recorded a podcast 20 weeks in a row.
1: Yes, that feels like a long time. Uh
0: I feel like 20 episodes doesn't feel like that much, but doing this 20 weeks in a row feels like a lot to me.
1: I did think about listening to one of our first week's episodes earlier and just how different everything would sound. So I'm glad we're doing this because I really do think it's going to capture. It's like a diary of sorts for us. Yeah. Because it's hard to remember the haze of the beginning.
0: <laughs> it certainly is going to capture that moment, just like every week captures its moment. Sometimes it's funny. We'll get some mailbag. You've heard some of it on the podcast. And they'll be talking about something that could have just happened the week before. Or like saying, sorry that you're going through this. I'm like, what are we? What? Were, what? Are, I don't think I'm going through that. But I guess we were.
1: (laughs) It changes quickly.
0: It changes so quickly. Much like Oliver, for that matter. (laughs) Maybe we'll talk about that more. This week on the episode, the very simple classic format, highs, lows, and takes. Or really, as we do them, lows, highs, and takes. Uh, Rachel is leading off this week.
1: Sure. So my low, some of these might overlap. We'll find out. But my low is that Oliver appears to be going through some sort of sleep regression this week.
0: Yes, I think this is also related to low.
1: So we can just kind of talk around this subject, but yeah. we've been blessed and spoiled with a very good sleeper. So spoiled. <laughs> Oliver, I mean, had, a, had some weeks where he would wake up first like, you know, twice a night and then kind of move to once a night and then maybe... About a month ago, maybe even a little longer than that, started basically sleeping through the night. So,
0: yeah, and those wake ups in the night were nutritionally necessary. Yeah. He was not supposed to go longer. So, at that point, you can't really blame your baby. Right. Right. <laughs> it's like, okay, this is something we have to do for your well being. It's not your fault. You just aren't capable of. Of going long stretches without feeding and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. So then he was basically sleeping through the night. We would put him down at 7 p.m., 8 p.m., somewhere around that window. And then he would sleep till 6 or 7 a.m., mm-hmm. basically straight through the night. And you would do
0: what they call sometimes a dream feed.
1: Yeah. So I would feed him when we went to bed at 10, but he was pretty delusional. He was out of it most yeah. of the time when that happened. So that was kind of our rhythm until. And maybe this has something to do with it, but right around daylight savings time is when he first started, he would kind of wake up around 9 p.m. So we put him down two hours before then, and he would wake up at 9, but not go back down easily. It was like he had just taken a nap, and he was kind of, like, ready to go, and he was crying when he would wake up then. Some nights we would just be able to slip back in, calm him down. But other nights, it was an ordeal to get him back down. So that alone was stressful because I was talking to my counselor this week. Those precious hours between when we put put him down and when we went to bed were our time. Whether you and I were doing something together or Mm. I was doing something for myself. And all of a sudden, for the last week or so, that's been disrupted. And that was harder than I thought it was going to be.
0: Interesting, yeah.
1: Kind of that space had been set apart. And I was really healthy for me and now it's not there until last night in which he did actually sleep until we went to bed but then periodically woke <laughs> up throughout the night Oof. and he just wasn't crying screaming but would make these noises like <laughs>
0: that's pretty good yeah
1: and to the point where he would put himself back to sleep because I'm really trying to wean him off needing us to put the pacifier right back in his mouth. Which
0: I totally respect right now. In the moment, I feel like I'll, I am that desperate parent who's just, like, do whatever it takes. like
1: Which like- I also understand. But in a couple months' time when he goes to his own room, I don't want to have to be getting out of my warm, cozy bed when it's 30 degrees outside going to put his pacifier back in his mouth so I'm we really... to,
0: for the record folks we don't keep it at 30 <laughs> degrees in our house that's not something I, we do no i'm just doesn't trying to g- no like i said i respect you right now and i agree it is the long view
1: it is the long view and when <laughs>
0: i'm startled awake because it kind of doesn't matter if you're almost awake when he does it it still startles me every time i'm like
1: oh oliver so he put himself back to sleep last night and then 10 or 20 minutes later he would make a noise again and Matthew would just freak out <laughs> oh I didn't
0: freak out I also feel bad because we have our neighbor above us I know and it's I hard to tell how like,
1: loud he actually is
0: yeah I feel like for sure there was one time after he did it then I started hearing the neighbor I was like oh no we've done Sorry, it buddy so that's also part of it right if he's just disrupting me there's a certain level, and I, I think this is kind of a parenting experience in general. If your child is just disrupting you with crying or whatever, you can just handle it way better than if you start to get a sense that it's disrupting other people. That's just harder,
1: definitely. Not for
0: some people. Some people have no empathy, and you know, sometimes I wish I was more like them. But, but I'm weak, so. Yeah, but I'm weak. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, it's been a rough week. I'm tired. There was one morning where I was really trying to keep Matthew and I still after he had woken up. Oh, my gosh. Yes.
0: Thank you for bringing this up. This was funny.
1: Because Oliver makes a noise. He wakes us up. And then your instinct is to now move into a position that's more comfortable because you're awake. But the problem with that is now you're moving and it's keeping him awake <laughs> because it's loud.
0: And I move quite a bit when I'm trying to get comfortable. I struggle if I'm wake, woken up kind of in the middle of the night. Yes. To kind of settle back I know. down. But two nights ago, I'm kind of moving. And so Rachel puts her hand on me and is like, don't move. I was like, what?
1: <laughs> like we're why in a g- spy movie. Why, <laughs> can't I,
0: why can't I move? And... Then I realize, oh, she she thinks at least that I'm waking up Oliver with every time that I rustle around, which might be fair because I was probably doing a, quite a bit of rustling. So last night I said to her, right as we went to bed, don't
1: move. <laughs> so it was I- very
0: intense. It's hard to capture in audio the intensity of the hand reaching out to still you and also the intense tone.
1: Don't. Everything's more intense at 4 in the morning. So all that to say, we're tired. I really hope that this is a phase, a short phase. If not, we're going to have to do some stricter sleep training, which I would much rather avoid. But I'm in it for the long game.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That's a good look. I think I'm just piggybacking along Traveling along last night, <laughs> last night when he slept through that kind of first window, I declared that the regression was over, mostly tongue in cheek, knowing that you don't. It's not a Michael Scott moment from The Office where you just get to declare bankruptcy. The regression is
1: over. Thought so you were going to go into politics, like when Trump tried to call the election on Tuesday night, and oh, it went till Saturday. I guess
0: another example of people trying to just declare things and make them so, but. Right now, we are recording this on the cusp of. We are not sure whether last night was the grand finale, like it could have just been of the sort sleep of regression. you know, it's the fireworks show of a sleep regression, and it's just been steady, and then suddenly it all goes off in one big bang, and then it's over. Or if we're witnessing a new phase,
1: just the beginning,
0: and next week we're going to be more blurry eyed, <laughs> more miserable. Uh, Hopefully not. I, I have faith. hope not. All right, let's go to highs. That's enough. That's enough lows. Let's talk about highs. You're up.
1: So my high this week, a bit of a take, but wasn't captured in one specific moment, is I just really enjoy watching people love Oliver. It's just so sweet as a mom to like this little human being that you like grew inside you and birth and all these things. And people adore him and it just makes you really proud and happy inside and you want all the best things for him. And so to have people love him well. It's just really sweet. So we were with a little more family this week. Matt's grandma passed away. And so we had a funeral service for her this week in which our brother and sister-in-law came down and then Matt's aunt and uncle. So not a huge group. Still tried to be very cautious with all of our COVID things, but was the first time that the aunt and uncle, Matt's aunt and uncle got to be with him. And so we had this moment. We decided to put Oliver down at his mom and dad's because we were all gathered together for dinner after the service and we've never done that before we've always brought Oliver home to go to sleep but we decided let's try to put him down here so we can stay longer because he goes to bed early and so we you know had a failed attempt at multiple things trying to figure out bass and all that was a disaster but eventually we get him down put him in his pajamas read him a book and we lay him on the couch, and we're sitting there, and we're like, "Okay, guys, if you want to come in and say goodnight to Oliver, you can come oh, in." Oh yeah, that was, sweet. and it was just like this progression of people who like came over and like said goodnight to Ollie, and it was just like the sweetest moment of everyone else feeling like the warm glow of love, and then Oliver feeling the warm glow of love. It was just, I don't know, really sweet to me, and that was a nice moment. So that was my high this week.
0: That's great. Here's my notes. Memorial service, Oliver just brings joy. So basically, I'm just saying exactly what you said. It's been funny today in church and then also in the memorial service, you know, he wants center stage. Uh huh. So whenever someone's talking, he's just kind of babbling away. He's he's doing this thing. His uncle Joel identified it as kind of like the, the squeak toy that's lost its squeaker in one of the Toy Story movies called Wheezy he's got this thing where he goes (gasps) except it's high pitch is like yeah i can't do it very well because just literally my vocal cords but today during church he did that in the memorial service he does that and again it's one of these things i think you're hyper aware of it as a parent certainly because you don't want it disrupting things but then people are always like oh it was so wonderful to hear him talking and so Sounds happy. of life and babies. Yeah. Huh? And in this case, he's not crying. So it would be a different thing, I think, if he was crying. But when he's just babbling away. I had one woman come up to me after church today. And she just said, when you become a grandmother, the sounds of a baby just become like music. And this is a woman whose grandchildren are now in their 30s. So
1: she still remembers she it well. Still
0: remembers that, and even to this day, I think has she has that experience in particular. So I don't know that all his sounds are musical to me, but I'm grateful that for many people he just brings them a lot of joy. It's an awesome kind of thing to just surf that wave as a parent. Uh huh. It's not about it's not about me, and I think that's perfectly good.
1: Yeah, it's a nice thing actually.
0: So, yeah. So kind of a similar high, kind of general, but. heightened and particularly experienced those things at the memorial service for my grandmother and then also at church today so should i move on to takes yeah this could be a quick episode since we kind of overlapped but that's okay
1: that's okay we had a long long. one last week yep my take this week is that sometimes parenting is really hard (laughs) and sometimes it's (laughs) yes we i mean that's a general theme of this show. what a take What a take. It is very easy to listen to the lies that you tell yourself or that you think your baby or other people are telling you about how you're doing as a parent. Mm. And I feel like that was highlighted a couple of ways for me this week. Matt and I both had some weird evening things this week. And so on Wednesday night, I was taking care of Oliver and I had to put him down to sleep by myself. Matt was still at work. And basically from the time we had dinner together with Matt and then by the time we left to when he went to sleep, Oliver was just crying and crying and crying. And he usually does fairly well at bedtime. Yeah. And so the contrast was real. And so I'm trying to get him a bath. I'm trying to do all these things that usually he's smiling for and happy and he is not having it. And in that moment, it is so hard to not think. I am a horrible parent. Like, wow, he clearly loves Matt so much more because he is not happy that I am here and I'm the only one. And you just can go dark quickly. And Oliver isn't saying that. No. He can't actually think those thoughts yet. <laughs> um, And so he's not really telling you that he doesn't like you or that you're a bad parent. But in that moment, it is so easy to feel that that is what he's screaming at you (laughs) as he screams into the abyss and it's hard and I think even there were a few other moments this week that yeah you just wonder oh he's he's smiling at that person more than he's smiling at me and you just interpret it it's so easy to spin that narrative as oh it's because he doesn't like me as much like wow someone else would be way better at being this kid's parent than I am because he doesn't smile at me like that which is not always true he obviously does smile at me yes he does it's still highlighted sometimes in those moments when you're trying
0: to get him to smile I totally get this when you're trying to get him to smile and then he looks at someone else and smiles at them it's like
1: wait a second I'm your parent I should get priority and he he just doesn't have that thought but it's so quick to think about all the things that you've done wrong like oh, because he wasn't with me at the beginning when he was birthed and he had to be separated from me and the Nikki. Oh my like, goodness, Did Rachel. we ruin him forever? Because <laughs> he never going to be attached to me? And I, again, in my more healthy moments, those things aren't true and I feel that. But it's easy in the moments of intensity and stress to lean into all those lies. And so just... my you, t- Yeah, go ahead. My take is that... Yeah, you need to be on guard, I think, of your thoughts and really paying attention to what is truth and what is lies and be careful about what you listen to. Most people aren't judging you, but it's very easy to think that they are and to be on guard to not let things that have not actually been spoken to reign in your life and... Yeah. Break you.
0: Well, one of the challenges at his age, everything is interpretation. Right. So there is, he is not able to say, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. You're having to interpret everything. So is he smiling because it's me? Is he smiling at that person because he just looked at me? And then the change to that person is just a bit of a surprise. It's all interpretation. So it is very easy to, I think, yes, spin your own narrative. What would you say to someone who's struggling with that? Not that you're a mental health expert expert or anything, (laughs) but like, have you done anything that you're like, oh, that was helpful or are you just kind of noting the challenge of it?
1: Yeah, I think it's more helpful to just recognize your propensity toward that. It it is possible for you to feel those things in the moments of stress. And as long as you know that, okay, sometimes when I'm stressed, like that's what's happening, like take Take stock of your surroundings. If you're super happy and everything seems to be going well and you're still feeling some of that, I think that's something to dig even deeper into. But most of the time that comes out for me when I'm feeling insecure for some reason or stressed. So it's just good to be aware and I think even talk about with a counselor, with your spouse, with friends, Mm -hmm. whoever. And yeah, just be on guard about what thoughts you're letting take root because those are things that can really... Dig into the way you feel about how you are as a parent in not healthy ways.
0: And literally, advice that applies to all of life since we're all always interpreting other people, right?
1: Yep. Very true. What's your take?
0: Yeah, my take is prompted by the fact that we are approaching the time where we will introduce solid foods to Oliver. So that is going to be obviously a whole series of conversations in the future, I'm sure. But with the amount of information that's out there about any decision you may make for your child, I'm increasingly convinced that you should just pick a stream, pick a person, like an expert, and go with them.
1: Yeah, That's Mm -hmm. not
0: to say you have to do everything that they say. But for example, with sleep, we read a book, Precious Little Sleep before before he was born, actually. Mm-hmm. And that was just super helpful. We could have Googled, there's all these baby sleep sites. A
1: million books on it sleep training. It was just training.
0: so helpful to be like, okay, this is a book. And the book wasn't like, this is the magical way to do things. It was just explaining. I was like, okay, great. It gives me a base level. Now, granted, reading a book is maybe a little intense on the parenting level for a lot of people I know. But I did bring home to me the value of kind of picking a person, listening to them, following that advice and not feeling like you have to come up with this detailed system. So like when it comes to food, there's like traditional, there's baby led weaning, there's all this stuff. I'm like, okay, I just want to pick pick a person, have them walk me through it. I mean, I think you have to do your research about the people that you trust, right? Definitely. Not just like, oh, great, the first Google result popped up. But I think increasingly that's a take. We just don't have the time. We don't have the bandwidth. We don't have the capacity to Become experts in all these things. So it's really a gift. This is maybe obvious, but it's a gift to lean on the expertise of others. And I think sometimes there's a burden as parents to become experts in all these things rather than just say, oh, I just kind of did what this person told me to do. But it's really nice to be able to say, I just kind of did what this person was recommending and it's worked out fine. Or if it doesn't work out, then you can, you know, change and do some of that other research. So, yeah. Anyway,
1: I, that was some, the advice I saw somewhere when we were putting together a registry was like there's a million things that people can recommend you that you can put on a registry right and really the best way to do it is find a few people whose lifestyle is similar to yours Mm. and those are the things that you buy because yeah we don't live in a city so a fancy walking stroller is unnecessary for us so yeah of course, someone might recommend that as the best roller out there, but if it doesn't fit our lifestyle, then it doesn't matter. And I think there's some same kind of feelings about what you're saying. You know, find the people who approach things the same way that you would want to approach them and then cut out all the other noise. Yeah. Because lots of different things work. <laughs>
0: Speaking of cutting out noise, you might be able to hear Oliver. He's starting to wake up. Maybe
1: he is rising. Huh? But
0: we're at a, I think we're at a stopping place for this episode, anyway.
1: Yeah, a little more reflective this week. It was good.
0: Yeah, I I appreciate what you're saying. It goes into this. Kendra Adachi, mm-hmm. her book, The Lazy Genius. One of her principles is decide once. Yep. And I think that is a helpful principle to carry over to parenting. But with greetings from Oliver to you all of course we're still welcoming mailbags so feel free to send that in to timstake at gmail.com but i think we're going to wrap it up and go and attend to him i'm matt i'm rachel and that is your timstake